Well, good evening, everyone. Good evening. Great to see you here. Thank you for coming. And uh, thank you if you're joining us online. Let me start with this statement. And I, I wonder if you agree. I believe the resurrection of Jesus is the greatest event in history. The greatest event in history. I, I heard a story connected with this. Um, my uh, lecturer at university, he used to teach me uh, the New Testament when I was at Bible college. He told me this story. He said, I went to America and I got into a taxi and the taxi driver said, what do you do for a job, mate? And my lecturer said, well, I, I teach the Bible, the New Testament. And the taxi driver kind of leant over the seat and said to him, the way I see it, if Jesus rose from the dead, then it's all pretty much rock and roll, isn't it? And my lecturer thought about this. And then he went, do you know what? You're spot on. And this is a lecturer who has published books and journals and all sorts of things. But he came back and taught us. And he said, the resurrection of Jesus is the greatest event that has ever taken place. It, always, it, it is all pretty much rock and roll. And in these few minutes we have together, I just want to explain to you why. So we'll pray, we'll look at this story, and then we will start. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for Easter Day. Thank you that we can gather in this place, that we can just for a moment pause from the craziness and busyness of Easter eggs and family and all sorts of things. And we can take these few minutes to look at this story of the resurrection. And Lord, would you be speaking to us? Would they not be just my words, but Father, would you be speaking by your spirit and teaching us and making us more like you? In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's look at the story to start off with. And if you have a Bible, I'd really encourage you to have it open. Uh, we're in Luke chapter 24. Anyway, story so far. As the Easter Sunday starts and as the sun rises over Jerusalem, things aren't going well for Jesus' followers. They're in a real pickle. Uh, the 11 disciples, the ones who'd fallen Jesus, obviously by this point Judas had died, and the 11 disciples were hidden away in a room, scared. As the, as the sun rises, they just don't want to be outside. They're frightened that they're going to be arrested, and they've just seen their Messiah, their rabbi, the one who they've been following for three years and learning from, they've seen him arrested, falsely accused, beaten, placed on a cross, and killed. And what's more, the Romans, who were experts at killing people, even got a spear and checked he was dead. They, they pierced it in his side. And scientists tell us that when you do that, when someone's died, blood and water come out separated. They knew he was dead. He was placed in a tomb, and that seemed to be it. The 11 were heartbroken. There's an old song, you probably won't know, it's from the 1960s, The Last Waltz, but it says this, and I think this sums up how they were feeling at this point in the story. It says this, it's all over now, nothing left to say, just my tears and the orchestra playing. That's how they're feeling. 
And the women who were following Jesus as well, well, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome and others, well, they've got this really sad task. They've got up early. They've set their alarm clocks not to go and find the resurrected Jesus, but to go to the tomb to find Jesus' body to continue the embalming process, to put herbs and um, spices and things to stop it from smelling, to care for Jesus' body. And as they make their way there, they would have been unbelievably sad. What a sad task to do on that Sunday morning. But as they arrive at the tomb, it's not the scene that they expected. The Romans that were placed there by the Jewish authorities, probably two Roman guards, neither of them seemed to be there. And the stone, well, that was meant to be in the middle, covering the entrance to the tomb. That seems to have been pushed to one side. You can imagine the women saying, what's going on? What's going on? And then in verse 3, it says, they entered the tomb and they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. It's an incredible moment. And they were probably pretty apprehensive to go and see his body. Well, they're even more terrified to find it's not there. It's really confusing. And then suddenly these two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning, perhaps their angels, came and spoke to them. And these men said, and they asked a really strange question, actually. They asked, why do you look for the living among the dead? Now, if I was one of the women, I might have said, well, (laughs) I'm not holding two bottles of cologne and aftershave. It's not for a living person. I'm looking for someone who's dead. But do you see what they're saying? Why do you look for the living here. And then they go on and they say, he is not here, he has risen. And so they're probably really confused at this point. So these two angels, they explain using the scriptures, basically saying, Jesus said this would happen. He had to be handed over to sinners, be crucified, but on the third day that he would rise. And it's that moment in their minds where the women hear this and it suddenly clicks. They get it. And so I was thinking, when did it click for me? Well, I thought actually for me it was when I was 12. I was on a youth weekend away and uh, probably told this story a few times before, but we all sat in a room and I remember the leader saying, you know, we're all sinners, we need a saviour and Jesus died, but then Jesus rose again three days later. And I heard this story as a little 12-year-old sitting on the floor with my friends And for the first time, I just realized in that moment, it's true. And if it's true, it requires a response from me. And it is the greatest event. And so for me, I remember, I just couldn't help but do something about it. I went and prayed and I accepted Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Well, for these women, how did they respond? Well, they wanted to go and share this good news with the 11. So off they go and they go and find the 11 who are up in this upper room. Just to pause for a moment, it's worth pointing out that who were the first people to see the resurrection of Jesus? Who were the first person who spotted it, who were there? Well, it wasn't the highly educated, learned men in Jerusalem, not not the ones that everyone looked up to, not the ones who did all the education and all the teaching. No, it was women whose society at that time would have looked down upon. And if you've ever wondered, you know, is is Christianity sexist? Does God value women just as much as he valued men? Well, God selected a group of women to be the first witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus, the greatest event in all history. 
God values women. We can see it in this story. And it's the women who believe it. But when they go to see the men in the upper room, the men just don't get it. They're the ones who can't see it. They come and, and they speak to them and, they, and you can imagine them all falling over themselves, desperate to explain, look, he's risen, he's risen, he's risen. And the 11 disciples, it says their words seemed like nonsense. In fact, one commentator says that a better translation is, it was idle nonsense. I mean, it's really rude, <laughs> the response of the 11 disciples, but maybe, maybe we can forgive them a bit. They just seen their Messiah killed. They were so lost, so confused, like a bunch of scaredy cats. They were hiding themselves away. But Peter's always been a bit of an activist, bless him. And we see this in other parts of the Bible. And so verse 12, Peter runs off to the tomb to see for himself. And he gets there and he sees the strips of linen cloth lying there in the tomb. But unlike the women who go away rejoicing and wanting to share this good news with others, Peter goes away wondering to himself what had happened. It was the greatest event in history, but they just couldn't compute it. And you know what? It's one of those incredible stories. It's the sort of story that you see written on an Easter card. Uh, if you give someone a card, or maybe you see it in a little children's Bible with lovely pictures, oh, Jesus rose again. And we can sort of almost see it in that way. We can see it as a quaint little story. But I want to ask the question, is it true? Is it true? The fact that we've gathered in this room to look at this story, can we believe it? Is this a historical fact, or is it just a quaint myth that we hold on to? Well, I want to suggest to you today that it's a historical fact and there's good evidence for it as well. So one example is in the Old Testament, this example of Jesus dying and then rising again three days later was prophesied. Just a few examples for you. So 700 years before Jesus, there was a prophet named Hosea. And Hosea was, was writing and talking about the unfaithfulness of God's people, the Israelites. And so he, um, he wrote this, Hosea 6. Come, let us return to the Lord. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up. It's a foreshadowing of the resurrection of Jesus. Or here's another one, even further back in Genesis. If you remember the story of Abraham and his son Isaac, back in Genesis 22, that story, God had promised Abraham a son. He'd waited and waited, and finally this precious son Isaac was born. And then God decided to test Abraham for his faithfulness. And so he said to him, I want you to go over there, and I want you to sacrifice him to me. God didn't actually want him to do it, but he was testing him. And so it says in Genesis 22, Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place far off. Isaac was placed on an altar, but then at God's instruction, Isaac was lifted from the altar on the third day. Just as on the third day, Jesus was resurrected. Just another foreshadowing of this. Or what about the New Testament? Really recently, um, just before Jesus died, Jesus spoke about this death and resurrection many times. One of them, he spoke to his disciples in Mark 9. He said this, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days, he will rise. It's pretty exact. Or what about John 2? Jesus spoke, and he said this, and he talked about himself destroy this temple, meaning his body, 
and in three days I will raise it up. I kind of thought it's a little bit like, imagine if we went out of here into the grass on Turnham Green and we dug up a time capsule from the 1970s. Right? And you could dig this thing up and it's got this little tube and you pull it out of the ground and you can tell it's been there since the 1970s. But inside is a piece of paper and you pull it out and on it it says this. On the 24th of February 2022, Russia will invade and occupy large parts of Ukraine. <laughs> I don't know about you, but if I read that and if I knew it had been put in the ground in the 1970s, my mind would just be blown well, in the same way, these are prophecies about what would happen to Jesus so many years before. But if that doesn't convince you, well, what about another example? After Jesus rose from the dead, he didn't just appear to one person or, or five or ten or eleven disciples or maybe twenty, including the women. No, Jesus appeared to over 500 people. We have different historical accounts that talk about it. The four gospel, the Acts accounts, other historians at that time, Josephus and others. So many people. And there was, a, there was this... Um, a vicar in Manchester who thought he'd test this theory. And so what he did is a few years ago, uh, he got his church together on Easter Sunday. He got them all in the church and he decided to go to the back of the church and they dressed properly in that church. They wore a big black cassock with, uh, with the colour and the black cassock and he put on his roller skates. And then as the service started, suddenly the vicar skated all the way down the aisle in this church and then all the way back out again. And then he did, I think he did it again and then he went out again. Everyone's a bit like, our oh, vicar's gone crazy. Um, but he said this, look, if one of you go out into the community, into our village tomorrow and say the vicar roller skated, people might not believe you. Or if three of you did it, they'd think you guys are a bit weird. They probably thought of that anyway. Um, or what about if 10 of you went out? But if all 200 of you go out and say the vicar roller skated in his cassock and looked a bit like Dracula shooting down the middle of the church, they'd believe it. They'd believe it's true. How much more when over 500 people see the resurrected Jesus that we can believe that that's true? And just as an aside, uh, the vicar who roller skated, he, um, it got so well known that he went on to uh, Good Morning TV or whatever it's called on ITV and they interviewed him just because they thought it was hilarious. It is a bit hilarious. And it, by the way, if you're interested in, in evidence for the resurrection of Jesus, one book I would recommend is The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. There's also a, um, a YouTube video of it. Um, just type in The Case for Christ and there's a film that might come up as well. Anyway, we talked a little bit about the evidence, but I just want to finish today by talking about why. Why is the resurrection of Jesus, in my opinion, the greatest event in all history? Why does it matter? Why did the taxi driver say that because Jesus rose again, it's all rock and roll, isn't it? Well, the thing that's always struck me about the resurrection, whenever I thought about it, and it looked like Satan had won, right? God's son, Jesus, seemed to have lost. He was dead. He was placed in a tomb. He'd already been embalmed a bit on the Friday. I mean, you can't get much more dead than that. But just as a prisoner has to do time in jail to pay the price for the wrong things he has done, Jesus... Jesus chose to go to the cross to pay the price for our sins. That's the Good Friday bit. He was killed 
and he was put in the ground. But you know what? After a criminal does his time in jail and he fully satisfies the sentence, the law has no more claim on him. And on that last day, they open the bolts and they open the door and the prisoner walks out into the sunlight, into freedom. On Good Friday, Jesus died for our sins. But on Easter Sunday, Jesus walked out free. The tomb couldn't hold him. The price had been paid. The resurrection was God's way of stamping paid in full, right across history, right over his head, so that nobody could miss it. And here's the best bit, the best bit. Death was defeated. Yes, people's bodies still decay and die. We know that. But because Jesus is not dead anymore, he is alive, all who put their trust in Jesus, all who love him, can spend eternity with him. That's the offer. The greatest event gave us the greatest gift. And it starts with the letter R. The greatest gift is a relationship with God. Humans were designed for relationship with each other and most of all with our relationship with God. So that's what's so great about the resurrection. That's why I think it is all rock and roll. It means we can be in a relationship with our living God and it starts now. This isn't about when we die. This is about now and for eternity, forever. Because as the verse says, O death, where is your sting? The sting's gone because Jesus conquered death. And so the question that I want to leave us with today, as you go off into the evening and maybe you're eating more chocolate, maybe you're seeing friends, I don't know. Maybe you'll join us at the pub tonight. But the question is this, will you today, this Easter, thank Jesus for dying and rising again to know you? And will you accept this offer of a relationship this relationship that is for now and for eternity. It's what I did at the age of 12. And you know what? If you're here today and you know Jesus, if you are a believer, will you share this wonderful news? Just as the women were so keen to do on the Easter story. And all because, as the two angels said, he is not here. He has risen. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the story of Easter. Thank you that you're not still in the tomb, Jesus. Thank you that you rose again and that you are alive today and you offer each of us a relationship with you that can last for eternity. We worship you. Amen.